0: Welcome to the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm Cassandra. I'm a writer and an advocate on going inward to gain personal growth so that we can achieve a state of mindfulness and total self-awareness. This is a space dedicated Welcome to, to celebrating life in of all Calm of its Calm forms. Podcast. The good, the bad, and all of those I'm imperfect in moments closet. in between that make up the human experience. If any of you follow me on You're not in this alone, and I'm here to there you that each episode of the Calm Collective the under Underscore individual. Um, But I shared a little story today of the walk-in closet that my guy and his um, dad had created for me. It was like this tiny little pocket room. I truly couldn't even fit all the way in there. And there was just so much wasted space that was like behind drywall. So they knocked it down and created this really cool A-frame walk-in closet. And it's really peaceful in here. I have some candles, a crystal, my little Buddha statue, a picture of me and my sister when we're babies, the sweet note from Chris, some sage, some eucalyptus. It's just like a really calming space and a lot of my color or a lot of my clothes are just very neutral tones. So everything in here is just peaceful and I actually brought a chair up, a spare chair from the dining room and did a little meditation practice up here and it was incredible. Normally during like my new meditation practice um, has been just laying down in bed, but I teeter dangerously on falling asleep every time, so I'm trying to do the sitting up in a chair and my feet planted on the ground and it was actually amazing. I was like warm and tingly and really, really, really just was able to tune in and just started free journaling like rapid fire when I finished and it was pretty great. So I thought I would try and bring the podcast episodes and recordings here into this new space that I've created What else? So last episode, um, we talked about intentions, and I want to keep going with that, weekly intentions. So I'm all caught up on organization and spring cleaning. This week, my intention, it sounds a little mundane, I suppose, but is to be better about stretching my body, not just like in the morning when I wake up or before I go to bed, but just throughout the day, taking little breaks to stretch. I don't know about you guys, but I find myself feeling like a pretzel so often. I mean, I'll just like kneel down to pet Jasper and I'll go to stand up. And it's not that I feel like I'm getting old. My joints are great. It's just my muscles are so tight. I just don't take the time to stretch. And I go to yoga here and there, but it's not it's not like a, a daily or a weekly practice for me. So I'm not... I don't have like a a weekly excuse to get that stretch in. So I really want to try and implement that into my daily practice. So think on what your intention is for the week. And if you want to share, I would love to hear over on Instagram. I've been kind of poking around and asking you guys what your intentions are. I always find it so fascinating to see where all of our head and heart spaces are. So, well, okay. So with all that being said, I'm really excited to introduce you guys to today's guest, Her name is Jen Willie, and she's a life coach. She's actually my life coach. I've talked about her a little bit on the blog, and she was introduced to me by my friend Brittany Beckus, who uh, really just thought that we would click and hit it off as friends, and she was completely right. Um, I feel really connected to Jen and her energy. And um, I, I wanted to have her on the podcast today because she has a really... A really interesting and beautiful story, and I think it's important to hear because oftentimes those of us who really want to create something or to live a life that we feel called to live and destined to live, we have all these fear blocks that surround the reasons why we can't or why we shouldn't. And and with that, I think a lot of us have blocks around self-care that taking care of ourselves first is selfish and it's, um, it's, it's out of line and it's not required. It's not, it's not a necessity. It's something that's, that's trending right now. Jen has such a beautiful approach to both of these things. Why you can, why you should be unblocking your fears and how your past does not have to, um, deter you from living the life that you want and sharing her approach to self-care and how it's, Incredibly valuable, and it's actually the only way that we as humans can thrive on this planet. So, I'm really excited for you guys to tune into this episode. And just a little warning a beautiful warning Jen's voice is so calming. You, oh, it's like hard to explain. The first time I heard her, I just remember being like, Whoa, I feel it just feels like the warmest hug and I'm just really excited for you guys to listen to her I think it's going to be such a peaceful empowering episode for all of you and she's also going to go into great detail about what a life coach is I think that is confusing to some people like how is it different than a therapist or you know what is what is their actual mission when working with their clients so we're going to dive deep into all of those things so please sit back relax get comfortable grab some tea or coffee or vino whatever time of day it is for you Regardless, I'm so happy that you're here. Let's go to the show. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I am so excited that you've taken the time out to chat with us and so everyone can hear your story and hear from you.
1: Thank you for having me, Cass. I'm excited to be on your podcast and to chat
0: with you. You know, I adore you. (laughs) Same, likewise, likewise. So can you paint a picture for everyone listening, your current surroundings, and what does life look like for you right now in this present moment?
1: So my current surroundings, I would say, well, right now as we're chatting, I'm in my office. I am here in Chicago, and I I am so grateful that we finally have some warmer temps happening. Mm-hmm. I went for a walk this morning with my puppy and my sweet husband, and it was just such a great start to the day. Um, we recently built a house together and it is really, really fun to finally be in it. It's like a dream, a little, little whirlwind dream, but it's, um, super cozy and, you know, starting to come along and that's my present world. I'm a life coach and I work from home and I get to chat with amazing people like you on the daily and I love it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I run programs and, you know, my daily world is just, you know, really feeling more in flow than it ever has. I used to be a teacher and I know the hustle and bustle of getting up at 5 a.m. to roll out of bed and beat traffic and get to work and get all my lessons together. And that was my start for such a long time. So to be able to say to you that I'm sitting here in my little office and just feeling super inspired and calm and, You know, how just like such a relaxing start to the day feels really, really good.
0: It is the best feeling. It really is. And some people, you know, who are destined to be teachers and teach and have that kind of flow to their morning, that probably feels just as good as it does to you and me to have these slow mornings where, you know, we can take walks outside. And I think that's kind of the beauty in all of that is that, you know, what feels good just means that we're in alignment, so... Mm -hmm. exactly yeah so do you set intentions for your week and if so what's one that you're currently focusing on
1: yes I do so I'm all about setting intentions and I used to actually share quite a bit on my Instagram uh, my process for setting intentions and I'd say around Christmas I took two weeks off from just everything and I didn't post for a bit and I kind of had a moment where I realized, you know, just creatively, I wanted to take a break from um, sharing the intentions, you know, every day that like I had been, mm-hmm. but um, as you ask that question, it is definitely something that I think I would like to either share on my story a little bit more or something just so that people can get a little bit um, of an inside scoop of, you know, what that process looks like. But mm-hmm. what I do in the morning is after my, my normal morning routine, I take a few minutes to, kind of process through all the things that I have to do for the day and really it's kind of like a a way to alleviate the overwhelm that a lot of us feel you know right when we wake up we might have that moment of like oh what do I have going on today and it's like that little mental to-do list and so I give myself a moment to you know once I've done some of my morning routine things I like to sit down and Write out all of the things that I have going on for the day. And I'll mm-hmm. literally just anything that comes to mind. And sometimes it's things that I have going on for the month that are just on my brain. So I'll write out all the to dos. And then what I like to do is I choose the top three things that I really want to focus on for the day. And I kind of get my calendar together for the day and I just do like a little scan of it. And then what I like to do is I think about three guiding words that I can be really mindful of for various moments throughout my day that I'm needing a nudge. And so, for example, if I have like today, I have this chat with you later this afternoon, I have another coaching call. And then tonight I have plans with my husband. You know, I might think of a word like present for my call with you And then for my meeting later, I might want to, you know, my word might be trust, like I might want to really lean into trusting, you know, what's on my heart and what's showing up for me and to be able to share that authentically. And then maybe, you know, later tonight, I want to show up with love. I want to really be present and have that joy through love kind of to be, you know, really, really at the forefront. And so... I started this at a time where my day was a little bit more chaotic and I had some things that were causing some anxiety. Like maybe I had a meeting with some people that, you know, sometimes those meetings, you know, I remember back when I was teaching, they'd put so many of us in a meeting together. And, you know, in the early, early days of teaching, sometimes those meetings were a little stressful. You know, Mm -hmm. you didn't know how certain people were going to be feeling that day or what ideas they wanted to bring to the table or how they'd react if certain ideas weren't necessarily taken to heart. And so I remember having the intention word was just a way to help me remember how I wanted to show up. And so it was something that really served me, you know, before I'd step into a situation that was causing a little anxiety, I'd remember that word, I'd hold on to it. And it would really, really help me align with how I could care for myself in that moment. And to this day, that is how I set intentions.
0: Ooh, I really love the practice of taking the top. So I always do the top three priorities and, you know, I have, I even have that on like the mindful memos and that's what I generally use. And I never thought to just take that one step further and give each priority a word or something. It's so much easier to access that throughout the day than to, than to have to, you know, remember the, the priority at hand rather than like, rather tuning into to the word. I really, really love that. I'm going to have to try that a good tip.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay. So can you you... know, and
1: it's something I'll just throw in there real quick. It's something that was really, you know, created from my own personal experiences and like a place of like self-care and need Mm. and truthfully just like, like leaning into something that I truly needed for myself. And so it's been fun to be able to share that with people through the work I do now as a coach. It really is something that I think, you know, it's cool to see how it can help others as well because it certainly helped me. It still helps me.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I always say the proof is in the pudding. You know, if you have something that you know that works and clearly, you know, you are such a grounded, centered human being, it's like, why why wouldn't we try it? You know, I know you personally. So I'm like, okay, it works <laughs> for her. I'm going to try that. <laughs> so can you give us a little background on who you are and how you ended up in your current role as a life coach Feel free to start back start back as far as you'd like. Um, yeah, and just take us to the present moment.
1: <laughs> so it's funny that you asked this question, because as we record this, it's National Foster Care Month. And I actually just put out an episode on my own podcast, first and foremost, that really dives into my upbringing, and my story, because I I did grow up in foster care. And so I'll give you guys a little inside scoop version of that here today. And um, for those of you that want like the full, full, you know, story, the longer version, Mm -hmm. I did um, just release that over on First and Foremost. I am so happy and grateful cast to be where I am because I always tease if anyone out there watches the show shameless,
0: Mm, which I
1: love, I think shameless is such a great show, but, um, I always like lovingly tease that had I not been put into foster care, I'm pretty confident that I would be like, my life would mirror Fiona's right now. Mm. And when I was, when I was 13 years old, I was taken away from my mom, and I have younger siblings that um, we all range in different ages, but I, my earliest memory, I would say, is probably like as young as eight years old. I picked up on things being a little different in my home life at home, and I realized that my mom struggled with um, addiction. And, you know, being a kid, you don't really know that it's addiction. You don't really know. You don't put the pieces together for a while. But I, over time, you know, learned more and more about it and what it was. And around the time that I was 13, things got pretty bad at home. We were, you know, left home alone quite a bit. And um, I would stay home from school and take care of my younger brothers. And it was just a really, um, I think, unstable home environment and the thing is, though, is that even though on the outs, you know, you you might look at it and go, well, there's a lot of neglect. Her mom clearly didn't love her, her, her children. And there's that, I think, dynamic when you look on the outside. But the thing is, is I, felt, I always have felt so loved by my mom. My mom was always very... Forthright with her hugs and her kisses. And when she was there, she was really, really affectionate and would tell us how much she loved us and had all these nicknames for us. And it was just such a loving environment when she was present. And despite her struggles, I always felt that from her. And so going into foster care was really, really, really hard. I, you know, on one end, I exchanged, you know, the, you know, comforts of the things that I didn't have, you know, like um, I always wanted to have a house. We lived in apartments growing up, uh, apartment to apartment to apartment. I switched schools like so many times. And Mm. I remember the first foster home, that was one perk. I was like, oh my gosh, we live in a house and they have a phone, a working phone. I can give a number to people, you know, I can actually talk to my friends and we have a comforter on our bed, we have sheets on our bed. And it was just like all these little comforts all, all rolled in one, but gone were the kisses and the hugs and the, I love yous. And Mm. so it was Mm -hmm. an exchange for another. And I know that that was a time for me that was really, really hard. And so I went on to live in several other foster homes. And by the time that I was 18, I Fortunately, graduated from high school and went to college. And that was kind of the start of like a whole new life for myself, so to speak. I really mm-hmm. um, just gravitated from a very young age. I knew that that was my way out. Like I knew that I needed to find a way to go to college. And once I did go to college, I graduated and I became a teacher, as I mentioned early on, and I loved teaching. To this day, I think I'd still be teaching had I not learned about life coaching because I really loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Granted, I was really tired and burnt out, which I think sure. a lot of teachers are. Yes. Um, it was it was a profession that I truly, truly leaned into and enjoyed. And I, I do think it was something that brought me a lot of just happiness and um, gratitude to be able to give that to kids, to be able to show up and, and give love back to children And to kind of like answer your question, like how I got into the coaching piece, my 20s were some of the hardest years of my life. And I, you know, as excited as I was to finally like have this new chapter to start, it was also my hardest chapter because now I had in front of me this opportunity to go ahead and create all the things that I always wanted. And I didn't have family around me. I didn't have anyone that I felt like I could turn to to call home and it was you know even though you might have people around in your life you still can't fill that void or hole that you might be feeling inside and so to kind of cope with that my young 22 year old self fell into the grips of an eating disorder and I struggled with that for about four years And as quick as it started, fortunately, I sought out help and I knew that it wasn't the way that I wanted to live my life, Mm. but it really took hold of me. And I'm so, so, so deeply grateful that I found my way completely on the other side where I recovered 100,000% from an eating disorder and, I found a whole new way, a whole new world of how to take care of myself. That's when I learned about mindfulness. I remember it was before people were talking about mindfulness and I learned all about, you know, the basic emotions that we feel and how to identify them and how to notice them and just things that I never learned growing up. You know, these were just like ah a for me. And I remember, Taking it all in and trusting it, even though it felt so uncomfortable as I was going through it all. And gradually, as I started to notice how I could care for myself and really notice these feelings and emotions and whatnot, I started to really look at what I wanted. I started to do some hard work and think about, well, what what really makes me happy? Like, what do I really want for a day? Like, how do I really want to spend my time? And I'll give you guys kind of another little insight, scoop here that I have shared in some places, but I don't talk about it often. But this also aligned with a really, really um, traumatic incident that happened with one of my students. She shared with me that she was being um, sexually abused in mm-hmm. her home and. It was one of those moments that just kind of like shakes you to your core and you want to jump in and save this child and do whatever you can to help. And I felt so helpless because at that time I had to go back in and teach math. I had to kind of like give her the surrounding comfort of our psychologist and our social worker and our principal and everybody. And then I had to go back in and put on my, you know, happy face and teach math and that's why, to this day, I still hats off to any teacher out there because I think they have so many hats to wear. Actress is one of them, totally. and it was such a it was such a pivotal moment. I remember because I couldn't stop thinking about this little girl, and I just I knew in that moment if there was any if there's any indicator of why I became a teacher, it was that moment. It was that particular moment that showed me that that is exactly why you got into this profession. It was Mm -hmm. to create some opportunity for this child to feel safe, to tell you that she was going through this. And I remember that started the trajectory of like, what next? Like, and what does this mean? Because I knew that I wanted to do more of this, like creating space with people where they feel safe. Mm -hmm. And, I didn't know what that meant, you know, and here I am doing all this personal work behind the scenes and really trying to make my life more whole and and authentic and just real. And at the same time, I'm realizing a lot about my career that I had never really thought about before. So fast forward, I found myself at a conference where I was sitting right next to a life coach, and it was one of those moments where you hear about that career path. And I think the timing of where I was at in my own journey in my career, things just clicked. I knew it was like literally like you hear about the light going off mm-hmm. and like the ah, yes. like that's how it felt. I was like, oh my gosh. So good. This is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I got certified right away. I went and found a training program. And since then, I've done multiple training programs and I started the kind of like, you know, deviation from teaching. And fortunately, my principal at the time, you know, connected me with somebody where I was able to get an instructional coaching role in my school district, which really gave me confidence to do coaching, even Mm -hmm. though it was like different than life coaching. It was still in that kind of lane and. Once I had that year to kind of like feel it out and then also do my life coaching on the side at home for free, I finally had enough courage to walk away. And I remember the day that I gave that letter of resignation and I have had my own coaching practice now for almost four years and I have not looked back since.
0: <laughs> so amazing. So speaking on, speaking on the fact that you were kind of, you know, shaky, handing that resignation letter, I've been there. I'm sure a lot of the listeners have been there. But I'm sure there's also listeners who are halfway there, like maybe have the letter written, but they're too scared to hang it over. So what are some tips that you would give anyone who has some fears to unblock, I guess we'll say? Were there any fears that you had to unblock that you feel like you could – Um, turn into tips for these people? Absolutely. I I think that one of the big markers for me when
1: I was in that moment, you know, getting ready to hand in that letter of resignation, it took a lot of thought work to make that choice a reality. But I think what ultimately really pushed me to go for it was just this kind of realization that like, We only get one shot at this, right? We only get one shot to go ahead and live this life. And what I realized was that I was letting my fear of certain comforts and stabilities keep me small. And I'm not saying that being a teacher was going to keep me small. I'm saying that for me and my particular path, I found a career path that I felt just slightly more aligned with, but it was riskier You know, it didn't come with light, um, you know, health insurance and benefits and all these like cushious things like a pension, you know, Mm to just get those pensions. And so I really had to digest the fact that I would be walking away from these stabilities. And one thing I want to share is, you know, in my upbringing, growing up in foster care, all I ever wanted was stability. And so once I finally had a profession that provided that, it was really scary to walk away from it. Mm -hmm. And I have always had this like independent woman mindset. So even though I am very fortunate to have a super supportive partner in my life, I, for myself, knew that I needed to be able to take care of me and that I didn't want to have to rely on anybody. I wanted it to be something that I actively chose with intention and so ultimately what help me make that step, and this is my recommendation for anyone in a similar spot, it would be to kind of think about what your personal thoughts are when it comes to freedom versus stability and to really, really sink into your own personal beliefs around it. So when you think about choosing between freedom and stability, if you had to choose, what would you choose and why, you know, what would be the one that you would go for And I say that because I think it's really important to kind of like do a little reflection on what both mean to you, because some of us really crave stability and we need it. Mm -hmm. And I think there are others of us who really, really want to go after that freedom and have daily freedoms in our lives. And here's what I've learned. So even though I'm asking you to choose between them, Once you do that, I want you to remind yourself that you don't have to choose between either of them. You actually get both. You get to claim both as your truth. And what I mean by that is freedom is something that we all have access to, but we have to claim it. So if you want to create freedom in your day, you can do that. But how are you going to go after it? How are you going to make that happen? Because we, you know, depending on what path you want to take or how you want to spend your day, I encourage you, if freedom's a high priority, like how are you going to access it? What are you going to do to make it happen? And what I've learned about stability, one of my favorite quotes that I give to the women in my um, program, first and foremost, is it says, I create all the love and stability I need. And the reason I love that quote so much is because when we think about stability, you know, we sometimes are seeking that in other things. And the reality is, is that it's already within you. That foundation is unshakable underneath your feet. And I think when we lean into that truth and we remember that we create all the love and stability that we need, we are the the total creators of that. We lean into that through our faith. We lean into that through our spirituality, through our um, self-care, how we tend to ourselves, how we connect and how we, you know, just overall, you know, really create intention around what we can, can do to, to build upon that. I think it's such an empowering thing because then once we know that it makes choosing big leaps like that mm-hmm. a little bit easier because we're like, okay, if I create all the love and stability I need, really... The big risk here is, do I want to go after this freedom here? Like, is that what I'm really going after? Because the stability is already within you. You just got to access
0: it. So that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, stability is all about just that internal trust. You know, like if you you trust your insides and your intuition, you already have the stability. It's there. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I kind of want to touch on my story with you. I mean, it feels like it was so long ago that I first contacted you for the consultation. But really, it wasn't that long ago, I guess. Um, And it's just funny to me now to look back on that call. And I know you're so sweet, so you would never say it the way I'm about to. But I was a mess. I was just kind of like all over the place. I feel like I couldn't find my footing. I don't remember what my exact want was that I gave you of like you know what I wanted my takeaway to be I don't know if you remember but I just remember it being overwhelming and large right it was just kind of like everything help me with everything (laughs) work life personal (laughs) business whatever like I just need guidance and everything and you know I've done a lot of work outside of our calls too but I I just really want to say that I think the work that life coaches do is so impactful and touches on such a un- it touches in such a unique way. It's al- it's almost hard to explain. Um, but you really gave me the tools to then go forward and do the even deeper work in such a different way. Does that make sense? <laughs>
1: It does. And I'm so, it's it's so cool to be a part of your journey specifically, because I think from the jump, you have really opened yourself up to, to the whole process. And I think that is such a gift and such a key marker for really being able to to apply all the tools and to make them part of your world. And so I think that so much of that credit is to you in the sense that you were ready to, to go there. You were really mm-hmm. ready to kind of explore your own path and really see what's there. And I think that that's such a big, big, big piece of growth. And I also think there's a little magic that happens when the right people are paired. And obviously we were paired very <laughs> well for totally but anyway, Thanks, I think that that's, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's all a big part of it, you know, that, yeah. that really, when you get two people who, really vibe really well together to kind of team up alongside each other, you can really, really, really do some powerful things. And, and I love what you said about coaches in general, because I think, I think a really, you know, I hate to say good, but I think somebody that really does this practice well is somebody that I think can meet you where you're at and ask the, the kind of questions that you're needing in that moment. And I think that's a really big piece of it. And it just Mm -hmm. means a lot that you've felt the same kind of love that I felt for this whole walk, because it's been great.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, even a perfect example is um yesterday, Jen and I had a call. And um, I was asking her these questions. And when we wrapped up, I was like, you're so sneaky in the best way. That's like exactly what I said. I'm like, you're so sneaky, because I'm asking you all of these really tough questions. And you formulated the responses in such a way that like, I had no choice but to like, really go inward, but without the kind of question that you asked, I truly don't I don't want to say that I wouldn't have found the answer, but I I don't know A, if I would have found the answer as quickly as I did, like literally in real time on the call, I found the answer. And then B, I don't know if it would have been to the depth of what I was able to find without that guidance. And Uh so yeah, I just think well and, and on that note, I think we should make the space really quick for you to give listeners, you know, share the difference between a life coach and a therapist and, like, a super intuitive friend. Because I think that that's something that comes up a lot, at least with me, when I talk about a life coach. So they're like, what is that? And how is that different than a therapist or a friend who's intuitive? Great question. But I really want to give you the yes. space to define that for people, if you don't mind.
1: Uh yeah, of course. Of course. That is by far one of the biggest questions I get asked from people, you know, about coaching. And um, it's definitely my favorite to go into and talk about. And actually, um, are you familiar with The Every Girl? Do you read it? Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. I used to photograph. Yeah, them. there's you did? Yeah. Oh, that's so They're fun. such that's a so sweet fun. team. There
1: was a really, really good um, – I, I chatted with one of their writers recently about that exact topic, between the difference between coaching and therapy, because I mm. think it's just such an yes. important topic to dive I read into. that. I'll put that and in I the show notes. I would – would- Cool, cool. I think I would kick it off by even before I give my answer, I just want to say I have both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a life coach and I have a therapist mm-hmm. and I'm so grateful for the two of them. And we do very different work together. And so, I also want to preface this by saying that it's my opinion. So, I think that uh take what you're about to hear is is just truthfully like my honest to goodness feedback about what my experience has been having a coach and both being a coach and then also working with a therapist and also what I've kind of learned throughout my own training as a coach. So these are just my personal reflections, but the best scenario that I can give or kind of like a analogy is if you were sick and you had an ailment, you would go to the doctor and if you were trying to get in shape, you would go to a personal trainer And when we look at a life coach and we look at a therapist, a therapist would see somebody that maybe in their mind is not feeling very well and kind of needs a little bit of an assist or a boost. And that's not always the case, right? We can go to a therapist and feel totally fine. But traditionally, this is kind of where a therapist might be your go-to person. Mm -hmm. And a therapist can also diagnose what's there. And usually they're encouraged to do that because of insurance. And And a lot of people don't know this, but... A lot of times insurance companies want a diagnosis in order to give payment back um, to get it covered. Mm -hmm. So there's that piece. And then a coach often is kind of like the personal trainer for your mind. A coach is going to help you kind of strengthen your mind muscle and get you in shape (laughs) when we're talking about your Mm -hmm. thoughts. And so they're going to really help you kind of get where you want to be, going to help you set those like strength goals, but for your mind. And so... And that kind of looks a little bit differently, right? Because there are all kinds of coaches too. This is the other thing, just as there's all kinds of therapists, you know, we have career coaches and we have mindfulness coaches and we have, um, leadership coaches and general life coaches and self-care coaches. And I mean, gosh, you can go on and on. So my point being is that, you know, oftentimes when you're working with a life coach, They might be really apt to give you tools and things to try on. They'll also give you some assignments or homework in between calls. So a lot of times when you're, you know, looking at a coach's rate, they're not just charging you for the hour that you're meeting with them. They're really charging you for that time in between where, you know, you might get a nudge from them, usually with a therapist You might not hear from them before your next call. I Mm -hmm. do know some therapists, depending on where you're at in your journey, will give you their information to reach out to them, which is so awesome. But I think traditionally you know, you might get a little bit more support in between um, a call with a life coach. Mm -hmm. Now, the other big difference is that with a life coach, you traditionally meet with them virtually. So a lot of coaches will meet with you through FaceTime or Skype or Zoom, and it'll be about a one-hour call, and you might meet twice a month, or you might meet once a month, depending on your goals. And the other big piece is that Oftentimes, working with a coach, you are going to cultivate an action plan. So, you're going to be thinking about your vision, what your goals are, where you're wanting to be, and then really creating that map of how to get there. So, that is a really big piece of working with a coach as well. Mm -hmm. In my experience working with a therapist, I oftentimes, what I love about working with a therapist is over time, they get to know you and your story. They get to know the people from your past. They get to know the people of your life. And so, when I bring up certain things that might trigger me now, my therapist is so skilled at kind of connecting it back to something that makes a lot of sense for me to process and kind of have some compassion with myself on that. That that would be a hard thing for me. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, working with my life coach, you know, I will text her on a Saturday when I'm out at a dinner, feeling uncomfortable about something in the bathroom or wherever I am. And, that's the big difference. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I have a little bit more immediate access to my coach versus my therapist. And with my coach, it's more about really helping me show up how I want to show up in the moment and in the future where I want to be.
0: Mm-hmm. So good. That's so easy to understand. And again, like I said, your article was so beautiful too. And I'll make sure to share that with everybody in the show notes because it's definitely worth reading. Um, but I do think that that's a crucial piece of information because I think it can be a little misunderstood. Sometimes or um, not get the attention that it deserves, I guess. And I love the analogy of like just a like a personal trainer for your mind because that is so true. The strengthening the muscles. I mean, I've been working on muscles that I didn't even know needed work, right? But they hadn't even been accessed. Like I wasn't accessing them, and that's where my own disconnect was. So, such a good analogy. Yeah. Well, and Chaos, one
1: it. one thing you said before that I also really want to touch on is that. At least in, in my experience coaching, what I've learned to be innately true about every single person that I've worked with is that the the person we want to be is already within us. You know, the, mm-hmm. the way we want to live, the way we want to think, the way we want to feel she is already there. And so when I meet with people and they come across like little blocks or moments where they're feeling stuck or moments where they're falling back into a negative routine or whatever it is, you know, what's really helpful, I think, is to just remind all of us that we are like, I love how you even just brought back into this conversation, the whole strengthening of your mind muscle in a way, because it's like, that's already there like it's mm-hmm. all within us already that that intuition that that peace within us that just knows what we need she's there and that's what i love working with people on is like accessing that part because i believe she's rooting for all of us she's within us or he for your male listeners <laughs> and i just think it's such a powerful it's such a powerful thing to lean into when You know, you do decide to team up alongside a coach Mm because a lot of times the big misconception I get is that people think coaches give advice. And sometimes I'll meet people who want to become a coach and they're like, I'm really good at giving advice. And I kind of like in my head laugh a little bit because I'm like, oh, you know, once you get certified, you'll know that that's Mm -hmm. not what coaches do. You know, coaches do not give you advice. Cause here's the deal. If we were out just giving advice and, and kind of making that be the number one thing that we do, people wouldn't have breakthroughs, you mm-hmm. know, they wouldn't arrive at their own conclusions and journeys because we'd be doing it for them. You so know? It wouldn't be their own walk. Yeah. You'd so be a crutch. I think that is a really big piece. Yeah. And so every once in a while I'll go off the grid and I'll say, do you want my opinion on this? And then I'll mm-hmm. give it, you know, but mm-hmm. for the most part, really, really try to lean into that truth that we all have that intuition that's rooting for us inside. And my job is to help you access it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of the role that I like to have, like more of like your, your, your friend with intuitive uh, uh, wisdom or whatever, but the one that,
0: you know, is a life coach. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And has the tools and the experience. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, what, what would you say is the most frequent thing that a client will come to you for? So understood that, you know, they might say like, I need help with business. Like I, I need coaching in business. And then you come to find, You know, it's like a therapy session, too, where you walk in, you're like, my relationship is bad. I want help with that. And then you end up going in all these different directions and realize you need help in so many different areas. But what would you say is like the one thing that clients come to you for the most, like the one goal that they want to fine tune?
1: Yeah, so I think as I've done this work, you know, the more often that I do this work, I would say, more often than not, I find that people are coming to me who really have passion work on the brain. So they really want to push through and get that, you know, passion of theirs off the ground as something profitable. So Mm -hmm. I do tend to work with a lot of creative entrepreneurs. However, they come to me because they, I I kind of like to think that I do self-care with business. That's Mm -hmm. kind of my angle. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've learned in the, in the work that I, I do with people is that in order to really create the kind of life that we dream and in my personal experience with my clients, it's been their businesses that they dream. You know, what we have to do is we have to create the kind of foundation underneath it to really keep it standing tall. I've seen too many business owners who are tired and burnt out They have one area of life that they're totally like thriving and kicking it in, and usually it's their um, business, right? Mm -hmm. They're usually doing really well with that, or it's another area. And what I've found is that they're really depleted in other areas. They're either you know, not really having much of a social life. Maybe their relationship is really struggling. Maybe they feel like totally disconnected with their body. You know, whatever the thing is, I've found that they're not feeling like it's an even keel in the other areas. And so I think to answer your question, I think a lot of times when people come to me, what they don't always immediately know that they're actually needing help with that they really need help with mm-hmm. is usually their beliefs it's usually their their thoughts around things that they're not even aware of that are hindering them and holding them back mm-hmm. and so a lot of times they'll come to me and they'll say you know this is what I want to work on this is really where I'm at and I really want to grow my business and I want to do this but what they don't realize is that they have these really sneaky little thoughts that are operating their whole behavioral system under there. You know, when they get up in the morning and they choose to do one thing, they don't realize it's because of a thought that they've, they've had in their mind already. And some of these thoughts are so ingrained and sneaky that we're not even aware that we have them. And so what I love to do is help my clients become so highly skilled at their own beliefs Mm -hmm. that they could probably get in front of a room and teach it themselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I love to share that with people. That's actually one of my highly sought after speaking events is to share that with people. It's one of my favorite tools. But yeah, that's, I think, by far
0: the number one thing. So good. And I mean, I can, again, I can attest that it works because that was a huge a huge breakthrough for me was, you know, breaking through those beliefs. And I think it's a lot through, it, a lot of it happens through um, programming, you know, when we're young, when we're really little. And um, like you said, it's sneaky. We don't even know that they're there until we get to a point where yeah. we're like, I'm exhausted. What is wrong? You know, and some people don't, unfortunately, <laughs> it makes me sad, but some people don't ever get to that point of being able to recognize that, you know, they could be living completely different you know and then some people like myself I can speak for myself you know you have a moment where you're like I'm tired and I don't want to feel like this anymore you know and um, being able to have those breakthroughs is awesome so if you're open to this just so people can kind of get an idea but can we create a relatable scenario Um, maybe just like a like a small situation someone would come to you and say like I want to do x In a really short Cliff Notes version, how would you walk someone through that thing? Just to be able to give people an example of how a life coach works.
1: Yeah, we can run through it. You got an example in mind?
0: Well, what if I said, okay, so let's just go with the body dysmorphia, right? Let's say someone is like, I'm so tired of hating my body. I'm so tired of feeling self-conscious. How would you take it from there Mm -hmm. and helping them to start? It's not an overnight thing. I'll tell you all, it's not an overnight thing, but things can click really quick, but it takes, it takes a practice. So what is the kind of practice that you would implement for this person, the homework that you would give?
1: The homework. Okay. So if I had had a coaching session with somebody who was really struggling with like body image, um, number one, I would want to say that I'd want to put it out there that depending on the body image thoughts, this sounds like one of those like slippery slope scenarios where I'd have to really have done some, you know, a few sessions with that person Mm -hmm. to make sure that I'm really the right person that they're supposed to be seeing. So I would just want to put that plug in there that sometimes, you know, depending on how deep the body dysmorphia is and and their struggles and what that kind of looks like in their day, that could be a scenario for a therapist. So I do Mm -hmm. want to put that out there. Um, However, I have had lots of very uh, highly driven, creative entrepreneur clients who tell me that they're having a really bad body image day and that their self-confidence is super low and they've been feeling super Mm -hmm. self-conscious or that they've gone the whole day and they haven't taken a proper lunch break. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I work with a lot of people that have had these types of scenarios. And I don't mean to laugh about it because it's not funny, but it's definitely a, it's common. Know, something that's common mm-hmm. is my point. It's something that I think a lot of people absolutely struggle with. And so I think number one, I would come up with the homework with the client. So it wouldn't be something that I would necessarily just kind of direct unless it really, sometimes I'll have moments where things just really come to me and I'm like, Hey, I have an idea." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, However, I would say, I think for somebody that's feeling really self-conscious, I think one of my favorite tools is the um, hug that Dr. Kristen Neff shares on her self-compassion video series. And she is, uh, I just love it so much. She's done a lot of research on that nurture component where when we feel that physical touch, we actually create a signal to our brain that we're being cared for. And it just is such a powerful tool. I share it with so many people. And so I think for somebody that's feeling very um, self-conscious, I would recommend that she watch the Dr. Kristen Neff video. And I would then, after she watches it, I would encourage her, every time she notices herself, feel self-conscious. Number one, I want her to celebrate that she noticed it. Because in order to create change, we have to stop being so hard on ourselves Mm -hmm. that we're doing the thing. Instead, I'm going to encourage you to celebrate the fact that you noticed you were being hard on yourself. And then once you notice that you're being hard on yourself, give yourself a hug. So that would be my homework assignment to her. Every time she notices it, to just stop and gently put her arms around herself remind herself that she's safe. She's cared for her body and maybe even come up with like an affirmation with a client. I'd I'd maybe see if there's something that resonates with her. Um, Something like my body is a vessel. Um, I'm worthy of my own love, something like that. But I would absolutely recommend an affirmation and do something really powerful like that. Every time you notice it. a quick celebration and then go ahead and go into
0: the hug. Mm Mm-hmm and guys that's mindfulness what she's talking about that is Living a mindful life. It's living a mindful life doesn't mean that you're walking through a field of butterflies and everything is perfect Living a mindful life means that you are able to access that part of yourself When you're doing something that you don't like or that doesn't land well and being able to say to yourself I see that I soak that in I understand what i'm doing Why am I doing that being able to like just take a pause Do some self-acceptance and then move on from there. Um, So I think that that's really important that you say that, especially in this this scenario. You know, like if a girl is having a body issue and she eats a cookie and then she's, like, so mad at herself, it's like, no. You know, take that minute to just pause and reflect and say, you wanted a cookie. Like, good for you, girl, and good for you for also recognizing that maybe – maybe your body doesn't need this cookie, right? But your heart wants the cookie. I'm like that's okay. You know, just being gentle and just being mindful of the things that you're going through. I think is yeah, I think that that's so important to shed light on that.
1: And to trust the walk, you know, mm-hmm. to know that if you keep if you keep trusting the tools and you keep leaning into them over time, you're not going to think twice about whether or not you ate a cookie. Totally. You know, it's just going to be something that's part of your being. You eat from time to time as a way to take care of yourself. Yeah. And I say that through such a filter of love because I think that um, it's a journey. You know, it takes time to get to that space where we, you know, can kind of ease up on certain things that are really causing us a little tiny bit of suffering or a great bit of suffering. Mm -hmm. But I love that you pointed out that that's mindfulness because it absolutely is. It totally Mm -hmm. is.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing I want to touch on too, because as you said earlier, and um, for anyone who listens to your podcast, first and foremost, self-care is extremely important to you and you integrate it in your business heavily, which I think is so amazing and just really makes you super unique. Um, can you walk us through your morning routine when it's embodied in self-care? I love hearing about people's routines. I know you're very big on them. So I would love to hear kind of what your morning looks like.
1: For sure. So I definitely am a huge proponent of self-care and I just love reminding people that, you have to put your own air mask on first, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not selfish in order to tend to others in order to be able to give fully with generosity and love. Like we have to feel cared for and we just do it with such higher, uh, vib you know, vibrancy when we do feel cared for and we do something that kind of sets our brain for feeling loved. So um, I am a big proponent of a morning routine, although, I have realized that something I want to share a little bit more about on on some of my, my own pieces here that I'm writing soon, or even like the afternoon routines and the winding down the day routine and mm-hmm. the night routine, because I think we can have like subtle little rituals that are small, that don't cost a thing, that just help us reset and mm-hmm. kind of come into the next layer. And so for me, the morning is really huge because I have found in my life that if I don't have a morning routine I feel like wonky like Mm -hmm. I wake up and I feel like like somebody kind of put me off kilter or something and so a few things I love to do most of the time and I say most of the time because we're human and it doesn't happen every single day of my life but it happens most days usually I get up and um First thing that I do is I snuggle my puppy and my husband for just a little bit (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then I get up and I throw on like some, some just like outdoor clothes that I can go for a little walk in when the weather's nice. This is my, my routine. I go for a walk with my husband and puppy. And then if the weather is nice and I'm feeling it, I might go for a little jog And I come home and I usually will just move my body for like maybe 15 or 20 minutes. I'll lift some weights. I'll put on some really energizing music. I might listen to a podcast, but I just, you know, move my body in a way that feels really fun and, uh, just appropriate for that moment, however I'm feeling. And then afterwards I get ready for my day and I will, usually meditate right away I'll take 10 minutes out I love the app calm mm-hmm. it is one of my favorites that I've used I've tried a lot of apps and I think I like calm the most because you can choose your meditation based on how you're feeling and what you're needing and so I always start my day by asking this question what am I needing today love and so I'll kind of ask that when I'm meditating like what what am I needing today and I'll choose, you know, maybe I need some self-care or maybe I am dealing with a lot of worry or maybe I'm ha- I'm having a lot of fear come up over something. So I'll go on the app and I'll choose the word that kind of represents how I'm, you know, thinking about what I need and I'll meditate for 10 minutes. And then after that, I will go ahead and make a little breakfast. And then I come into my office and I do the intention activity that I shared with you earlier mm-hmm and then I go ahead and start my day. And I know it sounds like a lot of stuff, but I got to tell you that whole morning routine takes about 40, 45 minutes. It's not like this super long, elaborate thing. Um, And then I try to be really intentional about drinking water throughout the day and also um, taking a full lunch break. Uh, This is something I'm a really big proponent of actually, like, unplugging for 30 minutes and taking a lunch break. And so these are the things that, you know, for me, when I kick off my morning with those things, they just really help me get aligned. So Mm -hmm. that's usually how I like to kick it off. But like I said, some days I don't do that. It just Mm -hmm. depends,
0: you know, (laughs) especially like with travel and like, you know, if you have visitors, things get thrown off a little bit and you can take little bits and pieces that feel attainable. So yeah, mm-hmm. I exactly. love that. Like, I love- one
1: thing, one thing that I'm pretty consistent on is mm-hmm. the intention word. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even like if I'm traveling and we've got a lot going on for the day, and maybe I feel a little overwhelmed by that. Like there are times you're traveling and you, as excited as you are, you might be a little overwhelmed about some of it. I'll think of a word that I need, like joy. You know, like I want to feel joyful. Like I don't want to feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So I'll think joy. That's my intention. One of my intention words, but you know, that's an activity that I can take with me anywhere and usually drinking water. So like those are like usually my non-negotiables.
0: That was actually going to be my next question. Do you have any non-negotiables? I love that. (laughs) Mine I think has become meditation because I used it as an excuse for so long. Like, oh, I'm in this scenario or I'm traveling so I can't meditate. Well, that's just silly because you can honestly meditate from anywhere. But I had it in my head of like, no, I need to be in complete silence and I need my feet on the ground or whatever. But now I've realized that, you know, if I'm out of town, I can take a bath and I can meditate there. I can meditate in the shower. I can meditate right before I fall asleep. Just little things like that, where I think, you know, it's just, it's just about letting go of the excuse block and just being able to, yeah, set them as non-negotiables.
1: I love that cast. I think that's awesome that you're finding that it doesn't have to be hard. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think when we tell ourselves it's hard to do it, then we make excuses for when we do it. Yeah. And I think the fact that you, you know, are so in touch with that, it's, it's actually helped it become more of a routine for you. I think that's awesome. And that actually reminds me, I actually was just chatting with another uh, woman the other day, another client, and she was telling me just how much stretching has become part of her morning routine and how much she loves it. And I, I, I think when we find the thing that just resonates with us, yeah, it can be so recharging. I know for another client, it's making her bed and she'll do it at a hotel too. She'll do it wherever <laughs> she is because yeah. something about making a bed in the morning just helps her feel that reset. Absolutely. So I think it just, it's, it's about, you know, what can you do? To just remind your body and your mind and your heart that you are worthy of being cared for. Mm -hmm. I think at the root of a morning routine, it's just about Mm self-care. So if you're a busy mom of three and you find you have no time for you, like maybe when you have a chance, it's drinking a glass of water, a full glass of water, or it is making your bed, or it's making sure that you brush your teeth and wash your face, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just what are the littlest things that make you feel so cared for? And it's like, those are the little jump starts to, to kind of showing and reminding ourselves before we do our day that we're worthy of care.
0: Absolutely. And when I used to put myself on the back burner, I would say probably, I don't know, like four years ago or so, I was like in a really unhealthy place and relationship. And so I just always put myself last. And I got to this point where you know, towards the end of that relationship and around that time where I was like, okay, I need, this needs to change. What I started doing because it was so foreign to me was actually just setting a little alarm on my phone. And, you know, there's like, for anyone who has an iPhone, I'm sure Android has it too, but um, you can set a label for what the alarm says when it goes off. So I would have like a little (laughs) alarm that would be like breathe for five minutes, you know, focus on breathing or, you know, go drink a glass of green tea or you know, go stretch your body. Just little things to just, like, make me take pause and remind myself that, like, mm-hmm. I am so deserving of this. And like you said, even, like, the busy mama of three, like, hats off to you, but you have three minutes to stretch your body, right? And, like, you can even incorporate mm-hmm. your kids in that if you want. But just, like, yeah, taking, giving yourself those reminders that, you know, there is time in the 24 hours that we're awake to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. So lastly, I want to end on this question. Um, Actually, I'll ask you two questions because I I really want others to hear your approach on this. But what do you think when you hear mindful living? What comes to mind for you, the first thing?
1: When I think of mindful living, I think of living life with our eyes open. Mm. And what I mean by that is really just making an effort to see what's there and mm-hmm. to, to feel what's there, to hear what's there, to notice what's there. So I want to also state that it's a practice and that some moments we get it like, a, like we get it right a little bit more on point and others maybe not so much. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think when we are committed to mindful living, it looks like being intentional about our efforts to live our lives with our eyes, eyes open. And, and when I say eyes open, you can plug it in with sensing, you know, feeling, mm-hmm. emoting, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think mindful living for me represents, you know, being one minded and one minded is when you're in that moment, you're in that moment. When I'm talking to my husband, it's noticing what he's saying and hearing it. It's, um, not letting my mind go to the next thing or the thing before that. It's, you know, simply being on this call and, you know, distractions off and really being attentive to our conversation. Or, it's um, just really sometimes it's also giving myself permission to be mindless. That that mm-hmm. that's mindful living. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's like letting myself sit on the couch and totally get enthralled in an episode of you know, 13 Reasons Why or whatever show. Mm-hmm. I did talking. that yesterday. But I think it's, yeah, it's, a, it's such an interesting show. It is. Um, but I, I think the key is like, it's, it's just giving yourself permission to be and to notice. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, that's what's kind of coming up for me as I think about that. And so obviously, good. there's a lot of hows to do it. But mm-hmm. I think the key is like just being committed to the ride and knowing
0: that it's not always going to be perfect and it's better that way, you know, that's how you learn and how you grow and how you evolve into the human that, you know, you're designed to be. So I think, yeah, the learning curve aspect of mindful living is super important to touch on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Lastly, what is a mantra that you've been loving or that's been landing well for you recently?
1: Oh, I love mantras. <laughs> so that's hard. Um, I think, you know, it's funny as you say this, I have four that are in front of me right now. I have, you are so worth loving. She designed a life she loved. And I am somebody who figures things out. They're literally like mm-hmm. plastered on my little mm-hmm. wall in my office. Um, but I think the the quote that's really coming to me right now, because you asked mantra, right? Correct. Yeah. I think there's, there's actually two that I'm leaning into ones for self-care and ones for business. So the business one that I've been leaning into is be the fire. And I've had this now since last year in October. And that one kind of originated when I was at a campfire, um, camping with some friends and kind of reflecting on the trip a few weeks later, I was doing some business work and I realized that I'm usually the cozy blanket at a campfire And I realized like I wanted to be the fire. It was time to be the fire. And so, be the fire has catapulted me to create. It's really helped me like pour into that Scorpio part of my personality and like get shit done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, that has been a huge affirmation for me. And I still love it. This year, I decided I'm abandoning the whole word of the year, phrase of the year, I'm keeping what worked for me in October and that's be the fire. Love so it. um and then the other piece that recently became my truth is um I trust my body. And it's really leaning into trust period. Um but I have had like little moments in my life in the last several months where I have had, like, just little reminders to um, just really trust what, trust my that my body can do the things that it's supposed to do and to not be worried about things and to not feel scared and to not put too much pressure on my body or to expect too much of my body. I think that's been a real powerful one for me, Mm -hmm. um, to just know that, you know, your body gives it, it gives you signs when it needs rest. It gives you signs when it needs pause. It gives you signs when it needs fuel, energy, all that stuff. And so
0: I am really leaning into that mantra as well. So good. I love that. Lastly, where can people find you on the interweb? Well, um, mm-hmm. so you can find me in two
1: spots. You can find me over on Instagram and I'm just Jen Willie on Instagram. And then on my website, jenwilly.com, I have a lot of goodies on there for self-care and just ways to connect. If you want to get weekly inspiration or notes and things like that. I also have some info on there as well.
0: Awesome. I'll put those then, in the oh, show. notes. Oh
1: my gosh. I forgot about the podcast. Oh, how could you forget about your podcast? (laughs) Also, first and foremost, my goodness. Yes, Mm. you can find me there as well. I forgot I have an audio way to connect, guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good.
0: I love it. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to chat with me. And I'm just so grateful for everything that you do for me and for other people. Um, You are pretty incredible.
1: Oh, Cass. That means the world. It really, really means the world because I equally think so highly of you. I just think you have been through so much and the way that you just so graciously share your journey to just light and inspire others is really, really, really just beautiful. And, and I love the work that you're doing. I'm such, just such
0: a advocate of it and Mm -hmm. fan. So thank you so much. Thank (laughs) you. Thanks. So there you have it, you guys, today's episode with Life Coach Jen Willie. She's so amazing. I'm sure all of you are totally zenning out right now because of her voice. Um, I really hope that you were able to take away some really impactful information from our chat and most importantly, that you walk away understanding the concept of mindful living and how flexible it really is and how It's truly there to just to guide you and to not work as a perfection tool it's a total work in progress this life that we're living and being able to be mindful is just a way to keep yourself in check and to keep yourself accountable and to keep yourself well loved so hopefully that was a huge takeaway for all of you I hope you guys all love this as much as I loved recording it for you. And if you do and you have just 20 seconds, I would be so incredibly grateful if you would just pop over to the review section on iTunes and rate this podcast. It's truly how this podcast can land in the laps of any and all people who are needing a little bit more mindfulness in their life.